Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got another great show for you. Today we're going to be talking about the lawn. Yeah, the yard. And the different things that you can do and in if, the lawn. If you're in New York, it's the yard. No. In Boston, maybe it would be oh. the yard. <laughs> <laughs> the lawn. I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be outside. There's uh, a lot of things that can be addressed by a weekend warrior or a homeowner in the yard, in and around the yard, around the house, all of those things. We, Corey, you are a person who really likes to entertain. I know yeah, this do. because I have been entertained by you. And uh, you you really like to take it to the next level. You like to have everything in the right place and lots of things for people to do. And everything is perfectly um, trimmed and and looks really good. You're very good at that. You're very good at putting, uh, paying attention to the details and getting everything right. And so uh, this would be a great show. There's a lot of projects outside that we can help inspire you to maybe tackle on your property. Yes. I have made several lawn games. Lawn games? Lawn games. Well, one of which every listener who has ever listened to our show, I'm sure, has heard us talk about, and that is Cornhole. Cornhole is probably one of the funnest lawn games there is, and yet a lot of people are baffled at how to make the boards. So much so that you and I made a video. We recorded a video on how to make your own cornhole boards, and they're not expensive, and quite honestly, you can make two pairs for, I don't know, what was it, 60 bucks? Yeah, I mean, for just about the price of one pair, Be- well, because you, of the, the majority of the money is in the plywood. Yeah, exactly. And that, the thing is, is like most people want to go out and buy these things, but, you know, nice a nice set of cornhole boards is going to run you $200, you know, but it does come with the corn bags, which again are pretty inexpensive these days. You can buy them on Amazon. For 20 bucks. Yeah. For a whole set of them. So if you can make your own boards and make your friend a set of boards with the same piece of plywood, I say do it. Go for it. Yeah, it gives you the ability to customize them uh, and really make them something that makes you happy. Every time you pull them out and you're... The people that are using them are like, whoa, these are really cool. Who did this? You know, that's uh, that's rewarding and fun and... uh, it certainly is an opportunity. So, yeah, we can talk about we can talk about yard games today. We can yeah. talk a little bit about um, preparing your lawn and your yard area, your out outdoor living space for for company or for entertaining. There's lots of things out there that need to be done. We'll just talk about all of those things. Well, and you're, you, that's the thing, right? So, if you're going to have some people over to play lawn games in your backyard, yeah, you're going to have to do some maintenance out there. You know, you're going to have to maybe trim up some trees. You might have to remove some trees. You might want to build a fence. So we're going to be talking about some of those projects and uh, maybe some lawn tips. And uh, it should be a pretty uh, eventful show today. Well, it's very important because another phrase that you've heard Corey and I use a lot 
is curb appeal. And curb appeal is what you see when you look at somebody's property uh, from the outside. Obviously, what you see on the inside is completely different because you can't see that from the curb. But what you see, and so the presentation of your home to everybody who views it, whether they're your neighbors, the local police department, uh, or... You know, uh, or people that you've invited over to share your property with you. Uh, all of those people have opinions and uh, you want to impress. Of course, you always want to impress and do your very best. But Curb Appeal goes beyond that. Curb Appeal goes to a place where it increases the resale value of your home. If you're in a time when you're listing to sell your home or you're having you're refinancing and you're having your home appraised, all of these things, Curb Appeal matters very much to the resale value of your home. Now, you don't get to just do it one time and leave it. You have to always be addressing it because things fail over time and they they discolor or they uh, you know, they break down and they they start to look old and then they have to be replaced. Of course, right? Well, if you don't mow your lawn, then it grows up really tall, then it all dies off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a, there's so many things, lots. We'll be talking about all that stuff. Well, you know, Tony, you make an interesting point there, but uh, I actually have a neighbor, and hopefully they don't listen to the show, but uh, I have a neighbor that lives near me who bought this house that was just gorgeous. About three years ago, they moved in, they bought this house. The, the, the old homeowners that lived there uh, maintained this house. I mean, it was immaculate from the street, from the inside, everything about this house. They had maintained it all the time. So they had people come in and mow the grass and weed and, you know, and they spent all day, every day, they were retired and they just, they really worked on their lawn. It was gorgeous. And the people that bought it moved in Two professional people. They work in a uh, high tech industry and make very good money and uh, didn't care. They didn't care about the lawn. They're like, yeah, whatever. We'll deal with that in a few years. And so three years went by, they didn't do a thing to the house. I mean, Nothing. Yikes. The the gutters were overflowing with, you know, trees and, you know, leaves. And just, they were just, you could see it from the curb that they were just chock full. And, you know, the black, you know, mildew and stuff dripping down everywhere, down the sides of their houses. And, I mean, they, the, the whole yard turned into weeds, tall weeds. I mean, everything about it. They just let it all go. And then very recently, they, they put the house on the market to sell. And the week before they put it on the market, they had some landscapers come in and pay them a boatload of money to fix everything up. Yeah. And they said, maybe they're onto something. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Those people, if they heard the show, would not know you were talking about them. It reminds me of, of a book that was written called Pigs Don't Know Pigs Stink. That's, that's a real book? Yeah, it really is. Pigs Don't Know Pigs Stink. You see what I'm saying? They don't know... Because it's not on their list of priorities. Having a, a property that is appealing to the outside world is not a priority for them. So they wouldn't even know. They wouldn't even know because they don't care. And that is, that's, that's it. That they, but, you know, if you had a conversation about their portfolio and you said, you know, something and they, they took offense to that, well, that, that, that I could understand. But I think they wouldn't know you were talking about them because if you don't make the uh, the exterior of your home, if you don't make it a priority, 
it will be obvious to everybody but the person who doesn't do it. Because oh, honestly, in my opinion, they don't care or they would be on it. I know. It's, uh, it's tough because I saw the house go from amazing to terrible in about six months and it just stayed that way. I feel really bad and I mean, it really, I mean, you, it probably affected all of our home values. But then back to amazing. Yeah, back to hopefully the new people that buy it keep it that way. But yeah. yes. <laughs> all right. Well, we obviously have a lot to talk about, so don't go away. Hang in there. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about uh, maintaining your yard to have fun in it, for for having people over, groups of people to play yard games. And we talk about some of those, how to build them, some maybe some of the rules. Uh, more uh, recently, Tony and I have, have recorded a video on how to build your own cornhole game. And uh, it's a very popular, fun game. So if you don't know what it is, we'll explain what it is, the rules, and how to make your own. It hasn't even been that long since you and I played. Right. We played last weekend. Yes, we did. And it's fun. It is fun. So uh, anyway, before we get into that, Tony, you've got some stuff going on at your house. Oh, yeah. Let's uh, let's give everybody an update on what your uh, latest projects are, because I got one that I'm in the middle of. Well, my outdoor living space, my outdoor living space has been getting some attention, which is exciting. Uh, not, it's not really exciting attention, but but getting attention nonetheless, and and it's exciting to me. Uh, I would say uh, one of the projects you and I started at my house um, months ago. Uh, I don't even know when it was, but it was it, it was a long time ago. We started because my gutter was starting to pull away from the truss tails because the the gutter spikes, which are nails, really long nails, mm-hmm. the gutter sp- spikes after 15 years had started to come loose, and then the gutter gets filled with water, and then it pulls on the gutter, and those spikes start to come out. Anyways, the gutter was pulling away so far from the truss tails that water was coming in behind the gutter, and it was actually causing the paint to peel from my eaves underneath. And uh, it really got to be a problem. And so I knew that I needed to get it fixed, and and we uh, had an opportunity to shoot a video about a product called gutter screws. Gutter screws come in a package, a bubble pack, with these long eight-inch screws and ferrules that go in between uh, inside of your gutter, which keep the screws from from squashing your gutter together, right? Mm-hmm, it it mm-hmm. holds the gutter out in its place, and then the screws go through. But once the screws go into that truss tail, boy, those babies are never moving. I'm telling you. They go in there tight and hold on. Uh, they don't use screws to put gutter on originally because because it's it's expensive, honestly. And who knows? 15, it'll probably be 15 years before you need them. So 
They don't use them, but you can get them, and we did. And so we got out there with a package of gutter screws, and we hit a couple of the big spots, and we shot a video of installing those. And then when we got done, uh, the responsibility to finish all of the rest of the spikes on the house was mine, and it's only just been now that we finally addressed it. But we have uh, gone and gotten all of the gutter screws that we needed, and uh, and we've pulled those spikes out and replaced all of those gutter screws. And now that gutter will never come off, ever. At least in your lifetime, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. in my lifetime, that's, that's right. A, it's a good project to do, and if you don't know if your gutters are falling away from your house, you should probably look at that closer. I mean, get on a ladder, go up there. I mean, I can look from the ground and see mine in a couple of areas where the spikes have worked their way loose. And I did double check it. And I was able on mine to just nail them back on. And that might be the case for you. You might not need to pull them out and replace them with the really nice expensive screws. Um, I was just able to knock them back in and they were tight. Uh, but if you don't maintain your gutters and the downspouts get clogged and then get filled with water, the chances of them pulling away from the house are quite a bit better. Right. Because all of that weight, I mean, if you think what a gallon of water weighs. Eight and, pounds. Yeah, we did the math on it one time and figured <laughs> out what my gutter weighed that was filling up with water on the back of my house. And it was a lot. Yeah, it's a I lot. I mean, hundreds of pounds uh, of, of water just sitting there. So it's important. It's very important to get that cleaned out and uh, keep the main maintenance up on those. Yeah, the, the gutter actually, not to get too deep in the weeds, but the when the gutter, a continuous gutter on my house was installed, uh, it has a 90-degree a bend at the top. And the, that 90-degree bend goes back probably uh, one inch or so. And that one inch sits underneath the roofing, but on top of the plywood. So the water runs down the roofing and drips right into the gutter. There's no opportunity for it to get to the edge of the plywood. My gutter spikes were loose enough that my gutter pulled away to where I could stand under the eave and look up and, and, see, see, and see light between the gutter and the edge of the plywood, which caused the plywood to soak up water, which caused the plywood to get very wet, which caused the paint to separate from the surface of the plywood. Yeah, so, you had a lot of paint problems on your overhangs. Yeah, and that, that really became a problem for me. And now I have to go back up there and, and repaint all of those eaves in those areas where that paint came away. So I could have avoided that extra expense of having to paint my eaves by catching those loose gutter spikes mm -hmm. before it pulled so far away that I experienced the damage that I did. But it was a good lesson learned. And um, I didn't take any chances. We replaced all of the spikes, which was a lot around my house, but in my opinion, well worth it. And I'll never have to deal with it again. Yeah. If I only replaced the spikes that were loose, which I considered, uh, then in a year or two years, when the other spikes come, start to come loose, if they do, then I'll be back up there doing it again. I feel like it made more sense to get it all done in one fail swoop. And uh, not have to look back. So, yeah. so yeah, that was a great project. Uh, you know, one of the nuances is that my gutter is a K-style gutter, which is very common. And my gutter is a four-inch gutter. They also make a five-inch gutter. And the four and five-inch dimension is from the back of the gutter to the front of the gutter, which means that the ferrules that uh, are used to keep the gutter, keep the gutter shape when you beat down the spike or drive in the screw, 
Uh, that has to be the same size as your gutter. Well, these gutter spikes that were made by Fasten Master come with five inch ferrules and I had a four inch K style gutter. So I actually had to cut down the ferrules to four inches in order to make them work. But uh, it was a little bit more work, but totally worth it. And I'm glad that I did it. And, and so anyways, that's one of the projects that I've been working on. Here's another one, super interesting. Not a lot of people probably have, are faced with this, but I built a shed uh, in, in the back of my property behind my home, uh, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the, when we did, when we moved into the property, the grade of the ground from one side of my house to the other side of my house drops considerably. As a matter of fact, it dropped about six feet from the street level to my next door neighbor. And so in order to have my property flat, which is what I wanted, I built a retaining wall between my house and my neighbor's house, which raised me up. And uh, then I end up with this drop from that end of my property to my neighbor's property. No problem, right? We we made the decision early on when we built the house and we built that retaining wall and it's always been great. Um, but one of the things that I hadn't considered was the settling of the fill that I put behind that wall. Now I'm sure when I did that, somebody told me, make sure you get that compacted down really good because if you don't, in 15 years, it will settle. <laughs> well, AKA sink. Yeah. So we built a shed on that. And actually the front of the shed was not on fill, but the back of the shed was. And then we filled that shed up with all of our um, belongings, right? That needed to be stored. And certainly over the last five years, the back half of the shed, the pier blocks that it sat on, sunk four and a half inches. Wow over 15 years and four and a half inches doesn't seem maybe like a lot, but you can look at the shed from the side and you can see visibly that it's down. But more importantly, when you walk inside, you can see it dive off to the back and it's been driving me crazy. Well, I've recently gotten the shed emptied and uh, we have pulled up the floor on the inside, pulled off some siding on the outside and we're able to put a bottle jack under each corner jack up the back of the shed to a level place and then shim up the the beam so that the shed is now up and level and uh and that is uh great because i have great plans for that shed which is actually now going to be known as my wood shop and i'm very excited about Fantastic. that we actually have to take a quick break when we come back more things you can do in your yard you listen to tony core your weekend warriors don't go away you're listening to the weekend warriors home improvement show built by par lumber now Here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about uh, fixing up your lawn for some having some company over. We're talking about some yard games. Uh, we've kind of been kind of just covering a lot of our uh, projects at home, though, real quick. I'll update you on mine. Uh, we're remodeling our master bathroom, and uh, as of yesterday... We have a shower pan. Oh yeah, that's so, exciting! It is exciting. We've uh, we've gutted the thing and it's down to the studs, and we've got a shower pan in there. We're reframing some walls, uh, and I'm using 
Weyerhaeuser's LSL. It's made of timber strand, and we're framing the walls out of uh, timber strand. It's a it's made out of a it's a engineered wood product that you can buy in framing material like two by four and two by six. So I bought all of these studs in two by four LSL timber strand uh, because they are perfectly flat. They don't ever warp, twist, cup, any of that stuff. So I'm building these walls because they're going to be tile from the floor to the ceiling. And the, the old studs that were in there were, you know, bowed, bowed, warped, twisted. twisted. So we're going to be get, eliminating all that. And all the, the tile guy is going to be really happy. Yeah, I tell you what, I, I worry about that. You know, we know that studs, uh, because they are solid sawn lumber, they're volatile. And anytime you're going to be installing tile on the wall and the substructure is susceptible to bowing and twisting, I feel like I don't want to know what it would cost to fix tiles that come loose or grout that comes loose because the substructure is, you know, bowing or twisting underneath that tile wall. That is a very forward thinking solution that you have gone to. And it probably didn't even really cost you that much more money. No. I think all of the framing for the entire bathroom uh, was three walls and cost me like 150 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it was it was hardly anything. Yeah. Totally worth it. Well, that, that's a lot of forethought, actually. And and I'll tell you what, um, something else that we had have just done in the backyard and one little project that's pending. You know, I mentioned to you that our property was not flat, right? There's a lot of drop from one side to the other. And so... When we bought the property and started to build our home, the next door neighbor uh, that's lower than us, six feet lower, had already had just recently built a new fence between our two properties. Mm -hmm. And so we built the retaining wall on our side of the fence that was already there. And so now our property comes up almost to the top, about four feet up or more um, on his fence. So the fence that's over there at that end of the property is only about two feet tall for me. Uh, well, at the time, that was not an issue, but since then, we've gotten a dog, and the dog goes over there to um, fraternize with the neighbor's dog, and, and she can put her, her paws right up on top of that fence, and I think, Corey, when I look deep into her eyes, I think she is <laughs> contemplating a leap. One of, Jumping. I think one of these days, we're going to find her in my neighbor's backyard, because <laughs> she can clear that fence, I guarantee it. And so uh, that's something we hadn't thought about. We've actually been moving some fencing in the backyard and uh, to open up the yard a little bit more. And I think that we we may be looking for a solution over where that fence is, probably about a 20 or 30 foot section of fence that we need to be taller, maybe two or three or four feet taller. There are rules about how tall your fence can be in your yard. It, and that probably is different depending on the jurisdiction that you're in. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, no not, you know, no laws are the same everywhere you go, but uh, typically, yeah, in our area, they don't let you build a fence over six feet. That's very common height, I think. Yeah, and I've been told, I've been asked this question before, like why, you know, because customers, they always come in and they want to build... An eight-foot fence. Yeah, or a 10-foot tall. Like, I don't want to see my neighbors at all. Right. You know, so they want to build this gigantic fence, but... You know, the, it, the the laws prohibit it, and I'm not, you know, some people are like, well, what are they going to do? You know, it's like, you're right. Are they going to come in and, and make you tear it down? 
Maybe. <laughs> that yeah. is your risk to take. I'm not telling you you can or cannot do it. I'm just kind of informing you. But uh, I know in some CCNRs, in some HOA, homo- yeah, yeah. HOA homeowner associations, heck yeah, they will make you tear it down. Uh, and you might not get a, a police officer at your door, but you could get a letter from your HOA, uh, certainly. But it's it's different in dirt in the situation like yours. Your situation is you have a giant retaining wall, like a four foot tall retaining wall, and then the fence is down low. Well, how does that work on your property? Could you put a fence on top of your property and have it essentially 10 feet off the ground from your neighbor's perspective? Right. Yeah, I don't I mean, know how that really I, I don't know I how that works. I feel like if I wanted to just build a 30 foot section of fence there, I could just build a 30 foot section of fence and that would be fine. But it would certainly be more cost effective if I could take the fence boards, the six foot fence boards off of my neighbor's fence and replace them with 10 foot fence boards. It would be a lot less expensive than building a whole 30 foot section of fence that's six foot tall. That's an interesting idea. But I definitely would have to communicate that with the neighbor and find out what they want to do. You know, there's a collaborative opportunity there. But um, I think if I were building a fence taller than that which the jurisdiction deems, you know, legal, right? I think I would be concerned that when the time came to sell the home, that having a fence taller than it was supposed to be could potentially inhibit the sale of the home or cause some sort of charge or some decrease in resale value or something like that. And I don't know, all those rules or whatever could happen there. But um, so that that's something that I think about. You know, I could certainly call Washington County and ask them what the repercussions would be. Um, but I think in this instance, in this They're place, gonna tell you. we're going to, we'll, find, oh, you better not. We'll find some, uh, we'll find some amicable way to increase the height of that fence, which would keep my dog in my yard. That's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's my opinion and you would have to ask, but I would be of my opinion that you could build it six feet from the level at which the land is or the you know the the ground at that point right so you could build a six foot fence there and it would just be 10 feet off the ground on your neighbor's side yeah i think that's probably the case but i'm not sure yeah so anyway there you go that's what's going on that's what's going on in my property we definitely have lots of outdoor projects that we've been working on and uh it is fun to see things change outside isn't it yes it's fun to to get out there and and uh, just Get a fresh look. However, it is if you're if you're cutting down a tree. We just dropped a tree. Uh, we had a holly tree, a giant I hated that tree, too. a giant American holly tree that's all stickery, and you know it never produced holly berries. It's a uh, I think they call it an American white holly tree. Anyways, never produced berries. If it produced just berries, sticker, just stickies, I might like it more, but it doesn't. It's just stickery and out of control, and and it's like. 20 feet tall, so... What do you do with hickory berries? Or... Yeah, wh- holly? Holly berries. <laughs> it's Christmas! Holly oh, de- berries are a Christmas decoration. Oh, okay. just decoration. Yeah, so if I could if I could turn it to, to my benefit and make a lot of Christmas decorations every year out of holly berries or, uh, or something like garland or, or whatever, I don't know, but I'm saying it didn't even do that. I'll so. tell you what, that thing was out of control because you'd walk under it and it would just stab you in the eye. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was mean. so pokey. Very mean, but it's down now. 
Uh, we took that down. Uh, and then, of course, you're left with this responsibility. You've taken the tree down, you've cut it up and hauled it away, and now you have a stump in the ground. And the root system on a holly is big down there. So you can't just hook it up to your truck and pull it out. Uh, I think that my my situation is now that I need to hire somebody to come and grind it um, or cut it off level with the ground and try to bury it. I, I don't really want to do that. I'd rather I'd rather take that large space where it was at and plant something new that can become a new corner, um, iconic, beautiful, growing thing yeah. in that in that part of my property. So that's something that I'm that I'm working through right now, but. Um, very exciting. I love to see new things. We have to have to take another break. Man, this show's going so fast. Don't go away. More lawn games and other curb appeal items. You'll listen to Tony Core, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about curb appeal and yard games and uh, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, Tony, if you haven't already, I know you know this, but if you haven't already, you can go check out our uh, Instagram and Facebook pages. We're at WW Home Show. Or if you could, uh, if you missed any part of the show, you want to go listen to it or any one of our shows, you can go listen to them on our uh, podcast. We're on Apple Podcast, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So wherever you listen to them, you can download them. And uh, if you ever have any questions or comments for the show, you can send Tony and I an email at uh, weekendwarriors at par.com. And, uh, or if you just want to go check out our website, it's www.homeshow.com. So, uh, anyway, Tony, so we're talking about making DIY yard games. Uh, this is really fun for me because I've played, I've made a few yard games in my life. Do you have a favorite yard game? Uh, well, yes. I mean, yes and no. Like cornhole is really fun to me. I love playing cornhole. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also love playing ladder golf, which I haven't done in a long time. Uh, so I need we need to talk about that one. That's a really fun game to make and play. Uh, cornhole is really easy to make. Uh, there's also ones like Jenga. I know you said you've made a backyard giant, giant yeah, Jenga giant game. Giant Jenga game, yeah. And you actually said this weekend you told me offline that you're making a Giant yard Yahtzee game. That's right. Yard. Yeah, it's called Yardzy. Yardzy. Yeah, uh, it's essentially Yahtzee just with giant dice. Just with giant dice and a five gallon bucket. Yeah, that's. Uh, As a matter of fact, you can actually. You, you know, you're familiar with the game Yahtzee, and you have a little tablet, right, which has pieces of paper, and you fill out your score as you go along. Well, you can actually make, of course, with a laminator and a piece of paper and some dry erase pens, you can make a a score sheet. Mm -hmm. That you can write on it and then just wipe it off and, and uh, you know, it's ready to go for the next time you use it. So you're not having to recreate the score sheet every time. So, yeah, it's a really, um, I think, going to be a lot of fun. You know, I think there's some a little bit of weirdness there. The size of the dice 
compared to the quality of the lawn that you're playing on. Here's an example. Your lawn is very plush and full, and there's not voids and, you know, weirdness. But my lawn, which uh, maybe doesn't get the TLC that yours does, you know, I don't have that the green thumb that you have. My lawn tends to have a lot of little voids in it, and what happens is you get these big clumps and then low spots. And so I feel like if I play Yardsy in my backyard, I'm going to have a lot of leaners. Like, what is that? Is that a six or a one? I can't tell. And then I'm going to have to pick it up and re-roll. But in your yard, I think we wouldn't have that problem probably. Probably not. You know, and you could you could probably always, like, throw out some cardboard or play in, like, if you had a patio or a, a driveway. Yeah, I mean, the also, though, you have to preserve the integrity of the dice. The dice are going to be made out of wood. Um, I was thinking that a lot of people have done it out of four by four. So the four by four is, uh, actually the nominal size of four by four is three and a half by three and a half. And so if you cut three and a half inch sections of four by four, you would have a perfectly square die. Okay. Die, dice. Die. <laughs> uh, and so, but I worry that if that four by four, three and a half by three and a half might be too small to get a definite it's flat on this one side and this is the number that you rolled, you know, maybe something bigger, but then again, how many, how, how, how big can it be? And you can still hold them all and throw them all at the same time. In this case, most commonly people have made them out of four by four, which thanks to three and a half by three and a half, you roll six dice at a time and they all fit in a five gallon bucket. So you get this five gallon bucket, you put all the dice in there. And if you're rolling them on concrete, Corey, it's going to beat them up, and then uh, you'll be painting them all the time. I feel like a lot of people paint them white and then put the, you know, use a drill press to actually indent each of the uh, the numbers on each of the sides of the dice. So it's not just a dot that you're painting on there, but you you drill out a little indent and then paint inside a there. spot face. But you, if you're rolling it on concrete, I feel like you'd be, yeah, you'd be repainting them regularly. Or wood has a tendency to splinter. And then you, you know, if it splinters, you're going to want to be painting again. So I'm not sure. Uh, taking all of these things into consideration as I'm thinking about and planning the project for this weekend, but I do feel like it's going to be a lot of fun trying to decide what is the right species of wood to use. Well, and what size drill bit are you going to use? Are you going to use a? Well, you can't really use a paddle bit because a lot of the paddle bits you're going to get. It's good. They're going to dry the drill really deep, really fast. Right. I really want to leave get, a nice clean. Yeah, I really want to get that rounded look. So I want to use a regular wood bit that has a rounded head. And so well, most drill bits, most wood drill bits are the paddle bits. Uh, or you're going to be using like a, a cone shaped tip on a bit. I don't know. That's a tough one. Well, I mean, imagine it like this. What is the largest standard uh, shaped um, drill bit. You think about a drill bit, right? And it's, it's well, if you were to buy a kit of drill bits, like from any store, you're probably maybe five eighths of an inch would be the largest, and, and typically that would be like a metal standard drill bit, right? Uh, so five. I don't feel like five eighths of diameter would be big enough. I, yeah, you're right. I'm kind of thinking three quarters is better, but I don't know if I can get my hands on a wood bit with that sort of traditional cone face that uh, I could use, but I don't want the holes or the the numbers, the indents. I don't want them to be too small. I want it to look very authentic. So here would be my suggestion for you, is to get a Forstner bit. Uh, a Forstner bit is designed to be 
flat. It would drill out almost like a disc shape, flat bottomed hole. I think that would look good in your situation. And still achieve the same result. Yeah, yeah. Or you could get, they do make router bits. That might even be a better option. Oh, like a roundover? Yeah, like a roundover. Not a roundover no, bit. No, like a, a cove. A yeah, cove. a cove bit. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Bad, and if you had a plunge router, I mean, it would take a little bit of time to make sure you got them in the, in right the correct spot. spot and plunge it down. But you'd only be kind of creating that divot. I know a guy that can help me with that. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> You're very good at that attention to detail thing. Uh, but I, the other thing, of course, that, that I have to take into consideration is um, is what type, species of wood I want to use. I mean, I have given... I, each dice See, is I only going to be cedar. three and a half inches, right? So we're really only talking about maybe two feet of four by four to get the whole job done, maybe, right? Right. Um, so it's not a big expense, but maybe clear vertical grain fur. Do you mm. feel like those would be too heavy? So it would I, cedar I be too would. soft? I don't think cedar would be too soft, in my opinion. Uh, the nice part about cedar is the grain is a bit denser, especially if you use clear cedar. You could probably buy two feet of clear cedar uh, pretty inexpensively. Agreed. Um, in this, the the grain would be denser and it'd be less apt to split. I feel like because they would you know, definitely when Doug be fur, they would definitely be lighter. When dug fur dries, it does have the tendency to crack and split. That would be my suggestion. Is clear cedar would be a really good option there. Yep, well, it'd be less expensive for sure than clear vertical grain, uh, and the cedar would be lighter. So that's that's I do some have of the a, a small chunk of ePay. Four no, I wouldn't be able to lift that bucket. Six pieces of that in there, I wouldn't be able to lift that bucket. Maybe. Although it would last forever. You could knock somebody out with them. <laughs> Get mad and throw, throw Don't dice. throw the dice. Cheater. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> yes, Yardsy. I'm looking forward to making a Yardsy set. But uh, but Yardsy will not still be my favorite yard game. Well, what would yours be? Mom can tell you from experience, my favorite yard game is yard darts. Oh, like lawn darts? Lawn darts. Um, They're illegal. You can't even buy them. uh, But I own them, so I don't have to buy them. Oh, yeah. From when I was a kid. I used to play them when we were kids. Yeah, I know that... None uh, of us lost our eyes. I know that in the wrong hands, uh, they can be... Uh, they can be a little bit dangerous uh, with little ones around, but I I don't have little ones around anymore, so I don't have to worry about that. But uh, hey, what's a yard game without a little bit of danger? <laughs> Lawn darts. That is a fun game. Mm-hmm. It is a fun game, but not something that we will be talking about recreating here. Um, but uh, you're anyway. not even allowed to sell them on eBay. Is that true? It is true. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, you cannot sell them on eBay because they are. It's like a weapon. And that's very interesting. I mean, yeah. you can sell a knife on eBay. They have been banned. Interesting. Oh, that's... yeah, yeah, I'm sure you can. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. I wonder if you can buy a samurai sword on eBay. I don't, I'm, I don't know. I don't... I'm sure. <laughs> I'm being silly. I'm sorry. I digress. I'll tell you the most dangerous lawn game I've ever played. Yeah? And you were there. Yeah? As a matter of fact. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't even know what that game is called. I don't either, but somebody made this game... Where you put a bottle, we'll, we'll say a soda bottle, like a glass soda bottle on top of a pole made out of PVC. PVC. I'll explain it after the, yeah. after the break. <laughs> we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about Corey's incident. You're listening to Tony Corey, your Weekend Warriors. Don't go away.
Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for staying with us today. We're talking about lawn games and uh, some other stuff with the lawn, you know, maintaining it. Yeah, outdoor building living. A fence. Outdoor living space. Kind of a mix, mismatch show of fun. Yeah, when you're living outdoors and playing games, this is the time of year in the Pacific Northwest when people want to spend as much time as possible outdoors. And uh, if your property is a pigsty, you probably don't want to do it. A pigsty. I'm just kidding. Uh, so anyway. Oh, and by the way, the book, Pigs Don't Know Pigs Stink, I didn't name it. I also didn't write it. I only referenced it. So I, there was there was no mean intentions there, just uh-huh. so you know. Uh, before we went to the break, Corey, we were talking about this the most dangerous long game uh, on the planet. I'm uh, going to look this up because I don't your, remember the name of in it. In your view... And uh, definitely, it definitely stopped the use of that game on this particular weekend. This, uh, the game, okay, you have to at least admit this. Prior to the incident, okay, prior to the incident, you were enjoying it. Oh, sure. The game. No, it's a fun game. The game, in its essence, is a lot of fun, but... You know, there certainly are precautions that even an adult would need to take. So here's the thing. The the rules of the game involve you make a a pole out of PVC. It's like a DIY game. And on top of it, you put like some sort of platform probably also made out of PVC. And a friend of ours made this game. And you stab each one of them into the ground. And then they stick straight up. And then you put a bottle on top. And it's called... Bottle Bash. Uniquely named Bottle Bash. Bottle Bash, Bash Frisbee Game. Mm-hmm. And essentially what you're trying to do is you throw the Frisbee, you, sta- you, you stand 20 feet apart, and then you throw a Frisbee and try to knock the bottle off the pole. Uh, if you hit the, the either the bottle or the pole to knock the Frisbee off, if it hits the ground, you get two points. Or no, or maybe the team that you're throwing against, they get two points if it hits the ground, and then they get another point if the frisbee hits the ground. Okay. So I think you're trying to have the least amount of frisbees, or maybe it's negative points, whatever, according to this website. But essentially what you're you're doing is so if somebody throws the frisbee at the bottle, they try to knock it off or hit the thing, and then if it hits it, you gotta try your team try to has to catch the fr- the frisbee and the bottle. Right. You're trying to do both. You're splitting the responsibility there between two people. One right. person standing on usually on either side right. of the pole and so you're, you're trying to keep everything off the ground. Right. And if they don't hit it, then you don't lose anything. Right. So then you're just throwing the frisbee back and forth. So we're playing this game, me and Tony, my friend and then your uh, friend. Yeah. Yeah, your friend. And this guy, so me and Tony are on one side, and this guy whips this frisbee at Mach 2. Like 185 miles an hour. <laughs> it was the hardest Frisbee throw ever. In, in, We're only about 20 feet apart. Right. And keep in mind that the Frisbee height is about six foot off the ground. Total bottle. So the Frisbee is probably about, or the pole is about five feet plus the bottle. 
and then you're kind of crouched over, right? Trying to, you know, at the ready, get right. ready to grab. And this thing hit the bottle square on. And the, and the bottle flew off the top of this thing and smacked me right in the mouth. Busted my lip open. That was the single worst yard game I've ever played in my life. It definitely ruined the day. Uh, oh, my God. For, I mean, you were hurt. I mean, you were, you were visibly... Uh, and audibly injured, <laughs> and uh, everybody felt bad. I it, thought it knocked my tooth out. I mean, but it like turned out my face was just numb. And a giant wet blanket just dropped over the entire campground, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was immediately bad. But right up until that moment, the game was a lot of fun. And honestly, if given the opportunity, I would play again. But I would probably wear a face mask. Is all well. So okay, listen to this. It says that you should be using a plastic bottle. And we were not. That we was were using our mistake. bottle. That was our mistake, right? A plastic bottle. Well, the bottle. guy that brought the game with him said that you were supposed to use a glass bottle. I see. And I think too many people had been busted in the face <laughs> that they changed the rules. Probably <laughs> the game was a lot of fun. Bottle bash. That's what it's called. Bottle bash. The game's bottle a lot bash. of fun. Um, it makes sense to use maybe to use a Nerf frisbee. And a plastic bottle. Because the fact is you are throwing the Frisbee at essentially at the face of your opponents. And it's your eyes of the receiving team. Their eyes are going to be trying to be split between the bottle and the Frisbee. So they're not going to be focused on not getting hit in the face with either of them. Well, and here's the other thing with that, right? Is that, yes, you're, the, the thing's coming at you and it's going to hit either a bottle or the pole. That it's sitting on. Right. Well, if depending on how hard it's thrown, and you're trying to keep an eye on it and grab it, you're not allowed to grab it until after it hits whatever it's going to hit. Right. So if it hits the pole, it's going to deflect. Right. And it's if you're standing too close, I mean, we had a couple of close calls where that Frisbee could have easily have smashed one of us in our teeth as yeah. well. Yeah, absolutely. And those ultimate Frisbees are not light. No, there there are precautions you can take to make the game safer and fun. We had a really good time with it right up until the incident, uh, but I've never played it since. Yeah, it's uh, not something I'll play again. <laughs> Plastic bottle or not. So, okay, so here it is. To wrap this up, more or less dangerous than lawn darts. More. More dangerous than lawn darts. Yes. Okay. Well, lawn darts, you're not throwing them at people. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're not supposed to be anyway. You're not supposed to. There's no catcher in that game. Yeah. Um, so so let's talk about um let's talk about cornhole. Tell me about corn. I mean, you are, in my opinion, the as far as from a list of people that I know, you're the authority on this game. <laughs> oh, authority. For you know, in my world. You see what I'm saying? In my world. So let's talk about what's included in the building of of a set of cornhole boards, or let's talk about the rules and how the game is played. It's a lot like horseshoes, really. Uh, yes. I mean, kind of. Essentially, if you don't know what cornhole is, it's a game where you have a board, and that board is two foot by four foot, and it has a hole six inches from the top. That's a six inch diameter hole, six inches from the top, uh, centered. And you stand 27 feet apart from front edge to front edge of the boards, which is really far, by the way. Yeah. I see a lot of people that play cornhole, and they're like 20 feet apart or 15 feet apart. And then you're like, oh, no, the rules state 27 feet. And then when you stretch it out to 27 feet, people are like, 
holy cow, that's far. It's hard to get the bags that far. Yeah, yeah it is. You know, so anyway, that's the that's the game. And then you throw bags, six inch uh, by six inch square bags full of corn uh, kernels. Not to be confused with uh, navy beans or navy beans. sand or uh, yeah, you, silica or you whatever. You could. I mean, I've seen corn bags online that you can buy that are filled with plastic beans uh, or pellets. But there's this whole thing about about this about the corn and why right. it's corn. Well, I'll explain that. We we got to take another break, but okay. I'll explain that after the break. All right, we'll get right back with more lawn games and outdoor living spaces. You're listening to Tony Core, your weekend warriors. Hang in there. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for sticking around. Today we're talking about lawn games and outdoor living. Curb appeal. Curb appeal. All kinds of stuff today. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, in the time of COVID, you know, these are the sorts of things that you can be doing with your family, <laughs> making these little lawn games yeah, and having I, adventures outside in the I, middle of summer. I see this commercial on TV where the people are making videos because everybody's at home looking for something to do. And this guy has set a... A DVD up, uh, sort of wedged it, standing up, and he chips it with his uh, with his golf club, and it goes flying up and lands right in the DVD player, and it just goes right in, <laughs> like all in this Wait, perfection. It's so dude perfect. It was uh, it was absolutely great. I've seen that. Yeah. I, I can only imagine he did that seven hundred and twenty two thousand times before he actually got it right. But it's yeah, a, it's a discs? great little clip of video. So uh, anyway, we, so before the break, we were talking about cornhole, and there, you know, there is an official American cornhole organization. It's called the ACO. There, there's a professional tour of people that play cornhole, and I don't know if you've ever seen it on TV, but these guys and girls are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, for for all those of us that play, you know, once in a while, to get one in the hole is significant you're like oh yes i got one in the hole right these people if they don't get it in the hole they're mad yeah it's like like professional bowlers that throw strikes every single time yeah you know or if they or they they play shots where they're blocking each other it's it's amazing but anyway the the gist of the game is you have two boards 27 feet apart front to front uh that are two foot by four foot boards at a slanted angle the front of the board is supposed to be like four inches off the ground, and the back is supposed to be like 12 inches off the ground. So it's at this little slope of an angle with a six-inch diameter hole centered on the board six inches from the top of the board. And it's you're supposed to use uh, – it's supposed to have a painted surface. It's supposed to be smooth. Um, what else? That's about it. That's your standard play area. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So you you can play one against one or two against two. And if you're two one on one, you just walk back and forth. You, th- you stand on one side. You both throw 
towards the other cornhole boards. Mm -hmm. Then after you score, you walk down, you pick them up, then you throw them back. Right, and you alternate throws. So one person throws, one person throws, one person throws. Yep. Whoever has the most points starts. Right. Uh, And there's different variations on the rules. Sure, of course. As with any game, right? Yeah, we play differently than some other people, but essentially it goes that if you get a cornhole bag on the deck of the board and they they call that a woody it's one point i did not know that had a name yeah it's called, it's called a, woody. a woody yep and if it gets in the hole like if you slide if you get it into the the round hole that is three points i had a 34 wagon and i called it a woody really no it's a good song though liar <laughs> so uh cornholes three what about a hanger no such thing. If you throw it and the part of the bag goes in the hole, but the other part is up on top, they call that a hanger, and that's two points. No, that's nothing. That's not a thing. Okay, that's not a thing in this game. Uh, it's like a leaner, <laughs> like a leaner, an it, oinker. It, it, no, like a leaner in horseshoes. Oh yeah. If yeah. if it doesn't ring the thing, but it's but it's leaning up against it, it's a leaner. That's two points. Nope, doesn't mean anything. Interesting. It's okay. Got to be either in the hole or on the deck. Got it. Okay. And uh, if it's if it touches, it can't touch the ground first. So if it hits the ground and then bounces up, does not count. Really? No skimmers? <clears throat> nope. And oh. if it's if any portion of the bag is touching the ground, it does not also does not count. Really? So uh the other thing with this game is there's what's called cancellation. And essentially what you're doing is if say I throw one and I land it on the deck, and then Tony throws one and lands it on the deck, those cancel those points out. And the same thing goes for in the hole. You know, if you get three if three points in the hole and two on the deck from the opposite player, it cancels the, two of those points out. Interesting. Okay. So we play it a little different, though. We play, if it's on the deck, only the deck points cancel the deck points, and only the hole points cancel the hole points, and everybody scores. I like that method because... The, the game goes so much faster. So much faster. Because if you're canceling out, playing somebody that's really good... Each round can go for an hour. It gets really, really boring if <laughs> yeah. you're standing around waiting. And yeah, other people are waiting to play, and they want to play but can't because the game yeah, goes exactly. for so long. That makes perfect sense. So you typically play to 21, um, and then there's something called busting. And depending on who you're playing with, but typically we say no bust. You're not allowed to go over 21. You have to get exactly that amount of points. Yes, yeah, so if you have 20 points and you get one into the hole... You bust and you, you bust. go back to 20. So if you throw, if you need one point and you throw a bag and put it on the deck, you're ditching the next bag. Yep. Because exactly. you don't because you don't want to score over. Yeah, what a great game. So when you're thinking about this, and it looks like there's obviously there's all these rules about how it's to be and all the stuff. How do you go about um, getting a super smooth surface? I mean, paint has a tendency in humid conditions to be kind of sticky. Is paint really the optimal surface for a set of boards if you're making them? Um, I don't mind. I If you are going to paint them, then you'll want to use semi-gloss paint. Um, if you use satin paint or flat paint, then you get exactly that. And the surface is very tacky. So if you throw your cornhole bag, it will hit and not slide. Uh, some people like that, but I like them to slide a little bit. Uh, which goes back to the thing we were talking about before, where you were talking about the corn yeah, uh, in the bags. And they actually have a very specific method for 
uh, making these bags with the type of fabric that you use and the type of corn that you use. Uh, you can't, you, you, they don't want you to use anything like lentil beans or, or things like that because those sorts of beans, they just break. Where corn will actually break down and create a dust, like a cornmeal dust. And so when it hits the deck, you you see this dust kind of disperse. Yeah. And that actually makes the boards a little bit slicker. Nice. So it, it's part of the game. It's part really. of the game, in, in my opinion of that. So um, that's, how, that's why you do it that way. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for that, right? And to maintain the integrity of the game, uh, build it the way it's intended to be built so that you can play it the way it's intended to be played. That's fun. Right, obviously right. you can buy a a, a watered down version of the game, but it's never going to be the same unless you're doing it. Um, well, it's like a lot of these a lot of these kits that you'll see at the department stores or whatever these cornhole department store kits that are like fifty or sixty or seventy five dollars. In they're they're tiny, you know. They use these little two inch by two inch or you know little bags or three inch square bags, and the boards are like fold in half and you know, made out of particle board or something, you pay all this money for this cornhole game and then you get it home and you're like, oh, this isn't what I will, was thinking. Yeah. And you can make your own very cost effectively. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and you can make them very rugged. The set of boards that you made for me and gave to me as a gift mm-hmm. uh, that was packed with love, you did a really great job on them. Um, those boards have seen some miles and we got them out uh, last weekend actually and we played and you could see very clearly on the face of those boards they have been played yeah they've got a lot of use and yet they hold up really well and um i, I absolutely love my cornhole set it's, it's amazing yeah so uh the way i made those and the way that i made them in the video that we shot we tony and i recorded a video last year on how to make your own cornhole board so you can go check that out on youtube if you'd like uh but essentially what I like to use is a product called MDO, MDO plywood for the surface. Uh, A lot of people have differing opinions on it. Some people will use CDX plywood, which is a really rough face. It's a really rough plywood. So again, you can paint it with the smoothest paint on the, in the world, but it's going to still be rough. Yeah. The texture of the wood will come through the paint. the, 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 The bags themselves will not slide on them. So I'll tell you what to use after the break. All right, more lawn games with the Weekend Warriors. Don't go away. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now. Here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about lawn games. And uh, before the break, we were talking about how to make your own cornhole boards. And uh, it's a really fun game to play. We kind of went over the rules a little bit. If you are interested and want to learn more about the rules, you can check out the AmericanCornhole.com website, 
It's the American Cornhole Association organization. <laughs> organization. ACO. They're, yeah, the ACO. There, it's like a real deal. These people are very, very uh, uh, serious they about actually their cornhole. Have, they actually have league competitions, and do you know where they have them? Well, I mean, obviously they have them in lots of places, probably. But do Las you know Vegas? one place I, I saw where they were having a league competition in a bowling alley? Really? Yep. They set them up in the in the lanes. Um, and so, I mean, obviously the lanes get oiled, but when they're not oiled, uh, they actually have cornhole competitions on the lanes. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, the local, a lot of times your local bowling alley will have them there. You can join a league. It's fun. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a fun game. So we were talking about how to make your own. And before the break, I was talking about plywoods and some people will use the wrong plywood. Uh, you're supposed to use half-inch grade plywood. They make that so it's the correct bounce on the deck. You don't want it too rigid. It actually is supposed to bounce. You don't want it. You don't want it too thin either, because you don't want it bouncing right off. Right. So half-inch is the correct thickness thickness of plywood, and I always recommend using MDO, not MDF. It's MDO. It's medium density overlay. And what it is, it's a really uh, high-grade quality of plywood. And over one side or both sides, depending on how you order it, if you were to go into any uh, lumber yard and say, I want a sheet of MDO, they might ask you, one side or two side? Well, what that means is they put a heavy paper overlay over one side or two sides. For cornhole, you really only need one-sided. And... When you get it, it's it's one face of it has this really thick paper adhered to the surface that is perfect for painting. Here's a here's a fun fact. You know, when you see road construction on the side of the road and you see those big triangle road, yeah, orange signs, signs yeah. that are on stands, yeah, they use MDO yeah. plywood to make those signs. It's a high grade plywood, exterior grade glue, uh, with this nice paper overlay. And when you paint it, I tell you what, it it comes out really, really smooth. Uh, you can use really nice, uh, I like to use even high gloss paint. Uh, that way you get uh, that nice slide on the boards themselves. Uh, or like I did with Tony's boards that I made for him, I actually went out and bought a vinyl sticker. Uh, Tony loves Spider-Man. Spider-Man. So I got online and I bought some two foot by four foot cornhole specific they make these uh vinyl stickers essentially two foot by four foot and uh i stuck the thing right on there and uh it turned out perfect they stuck down i i actually painted a layer first uh so that way that the sticker itself had something really nice to adhere to and then over top of that you can get two different types uh when you're ordering these things and depending on the cost like you might look at them and they might cost Fifty dollars for a pair of these things. Well, you might pay fifty, or you might pay thirty. Some people charge up to seventy or eighty dollars for a couple vinyls, two by four by four foot vinyl stickers. And the more expensive ones, you really got to look at it. And I learned this the hard way. If you buy the cheap ones, then you do have to put a coating of either spray lacquer or spray polyurethane or something over top of the vinyl sticker because otherwise what will happen is as you're throwing the boards or, or the bags on and they hit the board it'll just wipe 
away the ink that they printed onto the sticker. So they're just not robust enough to take the beating of the corn bags. So you have to put uh, several layers, several coats of clear coat over top of them. And I noticed when we played on your deck boards or cornhole boards the other week, Tony, that they were starting to show some wear. And you can actually tell where the clear coating has worn away and then it started wearing away the actual uh, printed Spider-Man. So Yeah, it's. I mean, they're worn. There's no question. Yeah. And I love it like that. Well, the cool thing is, too, if you do it that way, though, you can always recoat it. I mean, especially if you use spray lacquer. I used uh, high-gloss spray lacquer on those. Uh, you can always just lightly sand them down and then throw another coat on or three or four or five coats on top of it. If they were wearing down, you could do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, they still look great, though. Yeah, they really do look great. After years of play. Years of play. I, they, they get a lot of action. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a great game. Uh, my cornhole set is phenomenal. It gets a, it gets a lot of, uh, it turns a lot of heads, yeah. actually. Well, if you're ever interested and you want to go watch that video, it is on YouTube. Uh, you can go check it out. It's YouTube. In search, uh, WW Home Show will bring us up. Or Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. That'll bring up all our videos. We've got tons of them on there. Yep. Um, one of the things that, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Tony, but when you're out playing lawn games and you have, let's say, a Coke. You got a yellow drink with you, and you want to set it down. There's a fun thing that I want to build that I haven't had a chance to yet, where you make a stake in the like a long uh, four foot stake with a cup holder on it. Have you seen these? Well, I have, but I was throwing frisbees at it, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I have seen them actually. Maybe we were together, but uh, they look—they look pretty great. I have seen them in several different ways. I—I I, I know, so know somebody that bought some online, and they were made out of metal with a metal hoop welded onto it. And on the back of that, they had like a clip that you clipped a scoreboard to. And essentially, what it had was the points down either side of it, and then you used like. Uh, spring clips, and as you scored points, you would just move the spring clip up and down. Oh, interesting. I that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. So I want to make some of those. We should make a video of that. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, it's it's hard, hard to keep score in your brain. Well, it is, you know, especially when you're, you know, hanging out with friends and everybody's talking and you're throwing the board, the, you know, the bags, and next thing you know, you're like, what, what's the score again? <laughs> I always suggest somebody in the crowd, right, that's just observing but I, I do something else. I slip them a five right before the game. So, you know, they if, always give if you more they points. forget, they remember in my favor. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not asking. I'm not trying to cheat. I'm just saying slip them a five. and uh, <laughs> That's why the bad guys always win. And increase your odds of winning. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. where I'm at. Well, uh, either way, I think it's a cool little thing for whatever yard game you have. You know, whether it's uh, cornhole or ladder golf or... Even horseshoes. But not yard Jenga. Giant Jenga. The score, I should say, or the winner, is evident by the guy still standing after the game and not the guy covered in Jenga pieces. That uh, <laughs> lawn Jenga just seems ridiculous to me. It is. It's, uh, you know, it's it's kind of um, like Leaning Tower of Pisa. Uh, but the thing is, is by the time you get it up to a point where uh, it's starting to get really sketchy. 
It's about two feet over your head. <laughs> See, I feel like my luck would be it would go, and then I would get a pile of two by four bricks land on my toes. Yeah, that's what. It's not your toes; it lands on your head. Uh, but no, it's a lot of fun. It's very challenging, and um, I mean, you know, it, it ends with somebody headed to the hospital, probably. But those are your kind of games. Well, I actually have another game that I wanted to talk about on how to build. Uh, it's something I feel like anybody can build. I built my own first set after I saw somebody uh, with it. You can buy them at the store almost anywhere, but they are expensive and very cheaply made. Oh, yeah. Like the products themselves are very, very chintzy. So I'm going to talk about how to make a great one. And I'm talking about no nope. ladder golf. Uh, you could have dangled that for the next segment. That's all right. But instead, you didn't. Uh, the ladder golf is a lot of fun. And we're going to talk about the parts and pieces that you need and maybe the rules and how it's played uh, as soon as we come back from this break. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. If you haven't already, go check out our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, podcasts. You can go find all that on our website. It's www.homeshow.com. If you want to drop us an email, you can uh, find our email on there as well, but it's www.homeshow. Or no, sorry, it's weekendwarriors at par.com. Weekendwarriors at par.com. If it's really easy for you, you can also go to just par.com, P-A-R-R. Click on the Weekend Warriors link. And uh, that'll take you over to our website. Uh, today we're talking about lawn games. And, uh, you know, one of the, the other lawn games that I love to play that I actually haven't played in a while because my set broke. Oh, no. It's, uh, I don't know, I made it 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it recently broke. And it probably all I would have to do is glue it back together, honestly. Uh, but it's ladder golf. And if you've never heard of ladder golf or played it, it's a really fun game where you take and glue pieces of PVC together into the shape of a ladder. So you have rungs. You have a three rungs. You have a lower one, a middle one, and a high one. And then you take golf balls, just regular old golf balls. I use, you know, ones that I found on the course. Range balls. Range balls or whatever. <laughs> and uh, you drill a hole right through the middle. And then you use a like a three six three sixteenths diameter or eighth inch diameter rope, like solid braid nylon. Yeah, exactly, solid braid nylon rope, very strong. And then what you do is you measure out your rope into um, specific lengths, and I don't recall the length of them, but it's about twelve inches. Yeah, around twelve inches. And then you tie the rope through each ball and you have to tie a knot on both sides of the ball because you don't want the balls um, moving back and forth on the rope. Right. So you're creating what's called a bola and you throw that bola and try to wrap it around the One of ladder. The three rungs, yeah. Yeah, ladder golf. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun. Usually what you have is 
And again, people play different rules in this game. But we would always play that the top rung is three points, the middle rung is two points, and the bottom rung is one point. Yeah, you you end up a lot of times on the bottom rung uh, by default because you're shooting for the top, and then it doesn't wrap. Right. And then it goes down. Plink goes down. Yeah, yeah. plink goes down and ends up wrapped around the bottom. So that makes sense that that would be the least amount of points. But sometimes the bottom rung's really hard to hit when you need to hit 21. It's Mm -hmm. one of those games, too, where you play to 21. Or you bust. Or you bust. And the rules that we would play by was the same sort of thing. Per- person with the highest points starts, uh, and then whoever scored, scored the most points in that round starts. And then rung, if you get one tied around the same rung, you cancel points on that rung. So if somebody gets one on the top rung, say Tony throws, gets one on the top rung, that's three points. And if I throw one and wrap it around the top rung, I cancel those three points. Or if Tony throws one on the top rung, gets three points, and I throw one on the bottom rung and get one point, well, Tony scores three and I score one. Some people play that all points cancel all points and then only one person scores. Right. But again, that makes for a very long game. Right. Especially when you're playing skilled players. Right. So you could throw three in a row... And some people play like this, too, where if you get all three on one rung, like the top rung, you get a bonus point. So if you got all three of your uh, bolas wrapped around the top rung and no cancels, then you would get an extra point. So you get 10 points that round. It makes it's notable that if you're when you're choosing the balls that you're going to drill and put the strings in, you'll want to have um, half of the balls that are one color. And the other half of the balls a different color, orange balls and white balls or pink balls. That way you can tell the difference between the balls when they're both on the same ladder. Well, you can do that or or if you're like me and you cheaped out and you just used range balls or whatever you found at the golf course uh, out in the woods or weeds, um, you can use different colored rope. So I actually had that. I bought, you know, blue rope and white rope. So then you you knew Whose was whose? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that's, that's, another... that's one way to go. It's a little less, uh, you know, it's a little less fun. It is. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but to go out and buy, you know, nine, you need nine golf balls. So you need to buy a couple sleeves of each. And if you get colored, specific colored balls, they get kind of pricey. You know, golf balls aren't yeah. cheap. Well, I mean, yeah, I hear Max Flight or or Slozinger. I mean, you know, it's important uh, for your ladder golf game that you get the highest quality golf balls. Oh, I only use the Titleist Pro V ones. <laughs> only for Max Wrap for, for my, Max for Max Wrap my ladder when golf. playing ladder golf. Yeah, <laughs> ladder golf is a lot of fun. But you mentioned to me that maybe you might need to re-glue. Your the latter part yes. of your game. Here's what's funny to me: don't you, you buy the PVC pieces that actually fit together with couplings and the whole thing, right? So yeah, so that's how I did it. So essentially, you're talking about at the top, you would have elbows, so 90 degree elbows down to uh, the next rung would be tees. To the next rung, you'd have tees, but you don't just stab those in the ground. You know what I mean? I've seen it where people have tried that, where they stab them into the ground. Um, it's very problematic. Difficult. It's problematic, yeah, because they start leaning or they tip over. Plus, they're going to degrade faster if you're cramming them into the ground. Yeah, the PVC is just not that strong. So what I did was I made a base. 
and the base was about the same size as it is tall. And these things set up about, what would you say, three feet? Yeah, I think so. Three feet tall. So I made a base that went out either side of it, and then it had like almost like feet. And in the middle, it had... Um, Tees. Tees, and that's what you would slide it. So I actually made mine so they would come apart. They would fall apart. You could take the base off the top part. And PVC typically uh, is, it fits pretty snug. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, but actually recently my bases fell apart. And probably because I just didn't glue them well enough back when. So I just need to re-glue those. But yeah, I made them collapsible. Because otherwise you're stuck with... This yeah, T-shaped thing that yeah, that's never really going to want to fit into transport. Right, exactly. So. Makes more sense to be able to break it down. I uh, for my ladder golf, I didn't glue any of the joints, and so I just simply assemble the ladders whenever I get the game out. But I'm able to store it in a very small bag with the balls that can fit anywhere. Yeah, that's also another way to do it. It's a little bit more time and setup because you have to put them all together. But being able to store them in a very small little bag um, makes it nice. Yeah, and, and you, you're right. The the one thing, the bad part about my set is they're pretty big. I mean, yeah. they're three feet by about two feet wide, even when you flat stacked them flat. So uh, they're still not as big as other lawn games, but it's a super fun game. I'd highly recommend making a set. We should do that video too. Well, I agree, but the video that I want to do is the, the game that I have not built that I want to, and you also have not, but this is a challenge that we are going to take on because I think it would be a lot of fun. This is a Yard Connect 4. Yes. I love the game Connect 4 since I was a kid, and uh, I still own a Connect 4 game. I mean, it, it seems to be a game that's simple um, and yet still riveting and a lot more difficult than uh, than. Tic-tac-toe. Tic-tac-toe. <laughs> we did see, doing just a little bit of research for the show, somebody made a large lawn tic-tac-toe, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah, I, because I agree. Because tic-tac-toe is boring when you play it on paper. That guy that made that was just looking for something to do. He, he just needed something to do. But building a Connect 4, a lawn size Connect 4, I think would be an absolute blast. And the ones that we saw on the internet definitely look like something I've played it. We could the Oh you big, have oh, yeah. And a big board. It was like four foot by eight foot tall. And all made out of uh, all made out of wood. Yep, all made out of wood. Yeah, that looks like a game that I, I could that looks like a lawn game that I could really get into making. And I think that that would make a super great video. We should we should uh, give some serious consideration to that. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, a couple other games, lawn games that we didn't even get to, but uh, are fun to play. Uh, horseshoes, bocce ball, and if you've never played bocce ball on a real bocce court, you should you should definitely try that. There's a couple wineries here locally that have bocce courts, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I've never played that. That that does look like it could be some sort of a mix between bowling and um the game where you slide the puck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whatever that's <laughs> yeah, called. Yeah, it's probably more similar to that one. Yeah. That does look like a lot of fun. This has been a fun show. I'm glad we got together and talked about this. These are definitely things you can do during uh, during a pandemic. So uh, keep yourselves busy. Build some lawn games. This is all the time we got. Thanks, folks, for tuning in. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here. Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.